Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Couple pump fakes, leads it, shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh! Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another edition of Buecher and Hollands, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Join the fun. I'm getting into it with... Bucks fans now over Jason Kidd being the Lakers coach, as if Bucks fans should care, but enough of that. He's Ryan Hollins. You can see him on ESPN, TNT, NBA TV. He's basically available to everyone. You can also follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins, and you can check him out on Instagram at Ryan Hollins. All right. Whoo! We got at least two game sevens, and I believe that we will have. Three. So we have a number of things we want to get to. I want to get to the Celtics, the demise of the Celtics, and where they go. But I'm going to propose this to you. We have three game sevens. I'm, I'm anticipating three game sevens by the time that you and I do a podcast, another podcast. Of the road teams, the Rockets, and I'm assuming that they're going to get to game seven, the Rockets, the Blazers, and the Sixers, who do you believe has the best chance of winning a game seven on the road? Portland's going to win. Wow. Toronto. Uh, I believe they take care of business at home. Okay. And uh, there's a chance, low key, that the Warriors don't even get to it. That they win a game six. Yeah. Okay. So, but the, your confidence, let's start with your confidence in the Blazers. Why are you so confident in the Blazers? They just play good basketball. They execute in their experience. They didn't it, in game it, five. You know, when, when you're in a, a playoff chase, obviously a team, they play hard. you got to give them your respect. Uh, you know, they're going to do the little things. But you got a team that has a star, bona fide stars. They execute, play hard, do the little things. Basketball is really a simple game. That As I watch Portland, I just get so frustrated at Oklahoma City. And just why aren't they there? Yeah. Because this is this is not a good Portland team. It's mm-hmm. not. 
No, the reason that I have my doubts about them winning Game 7 is largely because I've always been impressed by Zach Collins. I always thought he was going to be a quality NBA player. I thought he was a difference maker. I thought his work on Paul Millsap in particular was impressive. Rodney Hood had another one of those Rodney Hood, where did that come from games? My question is, can you expect to get those kind of games from Zach Collins and Rodney Hood on the road? And I hate to be one of those guys who says that role players just don't play as well on the road. But in the case of these two guys, I just haven't seen it consistently there. I've seen it at home, but I haven't seen it there. And to me, that's the difference. Those two, if Zach Collins plays the way he does, then the advantage of Paul Millsap is minimized. And I love, I love how Zach Collins plays. He can handle the physicality and he's got length that bothers Paul. Paul's still going to get his, but not, not just dominate to the effect that he did in game five. Tell me why you're confident that the Blazers can do in game seven what they didn't do in game five. Well, I mean, okay, we talked experience, but we'll break down. Damian Lillard is going to show up. He's going to shoot better. The nice part about the evolution of his game is that when he sees two on the basketball, he's willing to get off it, and his teammates are ready to make plays. That's not something that I could have said in the past for Damian Lillard. Hmm. And he also has understood that I have to be efficient past the three-point line, not to 27 feet, to 30 feet. Right. So now as a defender that actually jumps out, you've got to take up and you've got to respect that yeah. much more space against him. Now you open up a can of worms. Now you open up the Blazers shooting. Jamal Murray has been incredibly inconsistent. And the one thing about the Denver action is it's predicated on a team game, not an ISO game, a team game. Where does that fall into play, having a problem? They don't have a lot of great one-on-one players. That's what actually takes you over the top. Because at that point in the playoffs, Rick, everybody knows your plays. Yeah. That that DHO, the dribble handoff action between Jokic and Murray, this is really, really good. Those guards are going to fight through that screen. They're going to war through. They're going to recover on catch to Jokic mm. and, and make a tough night where normally you're in rotation and it's a real problem. So that's why I'm not overly confident because now stars come out. Everybody's playing hard. Everybody rotates. No one gives up open threes. So that's why I'm going with yeah. Uh, Portland. Now, are you are you confident in the sense that if there's a road team that can do it, it's Portland, or are you confident that Portland is going to win Game 7? There's a distinction there. I'm confident they can do it on the road. I mean, after a certain point in time, a team has seen each other so many times that it mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether you're home or away, and it's not going to be that, that big of a difference. Now, for mm-hmm. a young team, you don't want to be on the road, obviously, but I, I, I don't, don't consider them that, that young, young of a team. There. Denver? No, Portland. No, I'm saying if this was if the roles were reversed. Yes, you wouldn't give Denver a chance. Yeah, yes, Portland. yes, and uh, and I'm just saying in terms of Portland, there's not going to be much of a difference. Mm-hmm. You just know you're on the road. Yeah, you know you're on the road. It is it is what it is with these two teams. What do you take away from the fact that Toronto was not able to put the Sixers away in Philadelphia? It's tough, man. It's, it's the toughest thing in the world to do to put away a team at their home court because they're literally fighting with everything they have. Mm-hmm. They know when that buzzer goes off, that could be the end of a season. So yeah. 
you you get this out of body type of performance and you did they played spirited basketball you did not see spirited basketball from the toronto raptors and that's fine because at the end of the day ultimately in the back of their mind they're like dude we're going home this is what bothers me about ben simmons is that he had a game like he had in game six and i don't see it enough i don't see that urgency enough i don't see that i, I know he can be dynamic I've never said that he can't be, but I just don't see it on a regular basis. It, it almost has to be pulled out of him. And those guys always scare me when you're talking about guys that are going to be your franchise players. In a weird way, him playing as well as he did in game six is almost more damning for me. It's like, okay, so now I know you're capable of that and you're capable against this Toronto team. And yet I don't see it consistently. Am I a bad person for thinking that way? No, he's incredibly inconsistent. It's it's just funny to me, Rick, and I always play back to this, how how adamantly people were to massacre me when uh, I, I said that he wouldn't be effective in the playoffs. How 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 just people were just losing their minds and now they've everybody's completely jumped off the ship. Yeah. And I know you me it's funny, men, you think a lot. So so I mean, you saw this coming, but the frustrating thing with him, like you said, is not that he can't shoot, but just kind of looking uninterested at times, you know, like, hey, dude, go compete. Go yeah. find a way. Do, find a way, bro. You're like, 6'10". Figure it like, out, Impose right? that physicality. Even if you can't score, you can make, you can put pressure on the opposing team just by being aggressive with the ball. By the way, I just saw a number where the Joel Embiid, one through five with him on the floor versus off the floor, pretty, pretty massive. I, I feel as if, People have gotten off the MB train as well. And I'm I'm not there at all. I mean, if the dude is sick, the dude is sick. He, he decided to suit up and play. To, to question, well, and I went through this. You know, I was doing FS1 earlier in the week. Nikola Jokic is so much better than Joel Embiid. He's making a, a clown out of him. And I'm like, the matchups are completely different. Jokic playing against Ennis Cantor is not the same <laughs> as... Joel Embiid playing against Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka and the rest of the Toronto Raptors. It's just, it's just not. And if the dude was throwing up and up all night and he still gutted it out to play, and, and most important, Joel Embiid didn't make excuses. If he goes up there and talks about this and that, okay, maybe, maybe I give you, hey, if you suit up, you don't make excuses. He didn't make any excuses. He played bad, and then he played better the next game. So I have my concerns about him health-wise, but I just I think he's just way too talented to give up on. If I'm going to choose again, if I'm going to choose between Simmons and Embiid in terms of who I'm I'm building around, with all the health concerns in mind, I'm still riding with Embiid. How can I not? He's arguably the best player at his position. I can't say that about Ben Simmons. I'm not sure I can say he's in the top. I can't. I certainly can't say he's in the top five at his position. Maybe not in the top ten. Well, you got a guy who's going to continue to improve in Joel Embiid. You got a guy who's arrogant, who's going to not just play like the best, but he's going to tell you he's the best, and he's going to back it up. You know it means something to him. Ben Simmons hadn't been motivated since until Jared Dudley had to say something to him, <laughs> and then he has a, the game of his career. So it's like, why do you have to be motivated or kind of your back against the wall when you mm -hmm. do these things? So. That that's a big reality with them, and, and and that's the frustration when it comes to Ben Simmons. So I hear you, and now it's like, dang, 
I, you're to the point where you're saying, I'd rather end up with nothing. If Joel Embiid is injured, I'm going to take my chances with an injured guy <laughs> over Ben Simmons. But, it, I mean, his talent, it, it it was crazy, Rick. He's the same player from last year, bro. Simmons. He's the same player. Yeah, I, that's that, that, that's troubling, too, for me, is that the jump shot, he had an entire year coming into the season, had, uh, and coming into the league, had an entire year off because of injury. The jump shot did not change. Then he has his rookie year where he's exposed. I mean, his, his, you know, technically his rookie year. He's exposed that he needs a jump shot. It doesn't change. You go to the playoffs, you have issues. Like, at what point? At what point do you say, I need to work on this and add something, a 16, 17-footer that I'm confident in? Forget about three-point range. Just give me something other than five feet from the basket that you feel comfortable doing. It's damning to me to think that nothing has changed. All right, but for all that, the Sixers are still in the playoffs. They're still alive as we record this. And so they are a sight better than the Boston Celtics, who are not. And a lot of blame is being heaped on Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving as the best player on the team. That's what happens. How much do you think it's justified, though? Like when you look at what happened to the Boston Celtics this year, Percentage-wise, if I give you Kyrie Irving, Brad Stevens, and the rest of the roster, how are you doling out the responsibility, percentage-wise, out of 100%? How much is Kyrie getting? How much is Brad getting? How much is the rest of the team getting? You go from the top on down. and Whatever, you can point fingers at whoever. So you go Brad, you go Kyrie, then you go the rest of the guys. There's no way around that. As, as a leader... It's your job to, you know, make your teammates believe in you, make your guys believe in you. They got to know you have your back. They got to know that you're working hard. They got to know you're doing the little things. And it's Brad's job, not just to coach basketball, but as an NBA coach, you have to manage personalities. Brad did a poor job of managing personalities. He never cut off the water of Kyrie Irving as he went to the media and said certain things. He never pushed those guys to play hard. He never held them out to accountability and, you, you had more than enough. Maybe you got to bench guys. Maybe you got to make certain plays. Whatever it is, he had enough. This is the interesting part for me. Can he do it now at this stage? If you haven't done it, or do you have to change the roster out? If, if Brad Stevens decided, you know what, I'm going to hold the line. And it was one of the things that I was expecting all year. I, w- when they struggled, I was like, okay, well, at some point, Brad's going to sort this out. He's just seeing how things fit. Now that you add Cor- uh, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving to the mix, he's seeing how everything fits, and at, at some point he'll decide, okay, this is the pecking order. And I was told by somebody close to the team, Brad doesn't work that way. Like, he does not confine guys in any way. And I thought, okay, that could be a problem. <laughs> and I and I think it was. I, I saw Terry Rozier saying, hey, I don't care what anybody says. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the top point guards in this league. With all due respect, no, you're not. You're a backup point. You're a good backup point guard. You had an opportunity to play a bigger role last year, and you did. But that's not who you are, and it's not who you were on this team. And he could have had a huge impact, but he took a decided step backward this year. And then you even look at Danny Ainge and say, you know, possibly like sometimes with a team like this, midseason you make a move 
to just wake everybody up. Yeah. You make a move to, you know, Rosier retrading you for a draft pick. Right. Like you make a move with one of those guys yeah. and they go, oh, oh, snap. Oh, yeah. this is real. Okay. Okay. We don't take it for granted. Yeah. No, that's a great you point. You do. That's a great you point. You do something if yep. you're Danny. Not, not Nothing wild. Yep. But if but you just you move moved one somebody, of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd, if yeah. you'd, if you'd move Terry, if you'd move Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. if you'd something. I agree. One. I agree with that. And yeah. I, you know, obviously, I, you know, Rozier would have been the one. But if you're another team, you is Terry Rozier right now worth a first round pick? Maybe late. Yeah, I'd consider so, that if I needed a point know, guard. Just because he's, pro- he's proven. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Phoenix would have jumped all over that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. I thought people rushed to make him a superstar too quickly. I thought he was he was special as a rookie in the role that he played. To have a go-to guy to do what he did last year, it was impressive. But I look at him, and I don't know how much better he's going to get, to be honest with you. I think he can be very good. I don't know how how higher the ceiling is for him because it takes him a little bit to get into his shot. He's not an explosive type player and he's not Paul. Paul Pierce wasn't an explosive type player, but he was just big for his position. So he could body you up. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He could take that time. And he was playing in a different era a bit. What's your feeling about what the future holds for Jason Tatum? He's going to be a megastar, man. You think he's uh, going to continue to rise? Yeah. What's crazy is, uh, you know, when I met Jason, I got up on him. You see him. Dude, he's, he's still got like like a little boy body, like a college body. Mm-hmm. Like, dude hasn't even filled out. When he hmm. fills out, he's going to be really darn good, man. So you think he will get put- more physical? He's gonna be, he, dude. When I tell you, like a little boy body, <laughs> like a like a college. Where'd body, you see bro? him? All Star Weekend. All Star okay. Weekend. He's like, yeah, he's really, you know, really, really thin, really like 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 a kid, bro. Yeah, and and he is. He should be in college too. Well, he you know should what? I should mean, be in college. KD was really thin, and he's still really thin. He's stronger. KD's significantly stronger. That, well, that dude is strong as heck. That dude, yeah. the dude drives and puts people in the rim now. Yeah. He, and he couldn't drive and create that contact. That's KD fair. would get knocked off. No. That's fair. I'll give you that. No, he's going to get stronger, man. I'll give you that. Uh, Jalen Brown. Brown may be the guy who is who he is because he's, he's played some years in college. You know, hopefully he improves as a shooter. But right now, you there are a lot of inconsistencies. There, but I, yeah. I, I I, I would say that's the guy because he's got a pretty good frame. Who is who he is? He's a pretty good frame, but he's he's also he's explosive. Like I feel like if he yes. could get a handle on his game, he could do more. But maybe that inconsistency is just is built into him. I mean, this this might be a team like 
Let me, let me date back, man. Let me think, and you you can probably help me. You look at teams like, um, remember the Toronto Raptors? Like, wow, you have Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady on the same team? Mm-hmm. And then, wow, Doug Christie was pretty good. Like, oh, you could have just kept them together. Yeah. Like, they, they all would have been pretty good. Or even, you know, you go throwback Clippers, you go, man, you had Quentin Richardson, Darius Miles, and Lamar. Like, those, Keon, all those guys ended up being pretty good somewhere else. Like, the, the- the problem is, is that you got to decide who you're going to pay because you can't pay all of them. Or, or go back. You had Kevin Durant, Westbrook, and James Harden on the same team. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You had them on. The but same again, team. but but that was you know I, this is what drives me crazy. Every time somebody it comes up, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russ Westbrook, you could have had them all together on the same team. No, you could not have. You could not have had them all on the same team. James Harden wanted to be who he is right now. He was not going to be that playing with Russ Westbrook and Kevin Durant. That wasn't going to happen. At least he didn't believe it was going to happen. And honestly, it wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to become an MVP of the league playing next to Kevin Durant and Russ Westbrook. And trust me when I say James Harden knew that when he made the decision. Everybody's like, they should have paid up. They, they, was crazy. they were stupid to trade him. James didn't want to be in Oklahoma City. It wasn't a money thing. It was a, James wanted to be a star. So you know what? Let's try to get as much as we can for him because he's not a star, right? He, he was a sixth man. And there was an element of, we went to the finals with these guys, but we lost in five games. If we re-sign Harden for the, for the max, or as much as we can give him, then this is the team that we have. And so there was some of that on Oklahoma City's part, but that, that wasn't the deciding factor. It was that Harden wanted, he wanted to have his team. He, wanted, he didn't want to be a sixth man, and he didn't want to be the number two option to Kevin Durant, which I'm sorry. That would have been the case. He probably would have been number three because Russ wouldn't have been. Russ was trying to prove his own thing. That's one of those deals you just figure out, bro. That's one of those deals you just keep it and you figure it out. <sighs> okay, maybe, but I, I, I the, what drives me crazy? No, it's not. You figure it out. No, if the dude doesn't want to be there, dude doesn't want to be there. He wanted you to commit to him. Oh, no, 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 what do you mean commit to him? It's not, it wasn't a commit to him. It was like, there wasn't room for him. Have you ever once, ever once heard James Harden talk about being mad at Oklahoma City, regretting that Oklahoma City, how dare they trade? Have you ever heard him say that? Have he you ever that, heard him talk about like, yeah, yeah. They, they, I, they did me wrong? He said he said that when he got traded, it was he just had no idea. It came out of nowhere, and that he was they couldn't even like tell him up front. And Russ and uh, Russ and KD were kind of mad, like, like what? Like y'all didn't tell us, or you just did this? Okay, okay. Not communicating is one thing. Being angry that you didn't keep me is another thing. He sounded pretty frustrated. I'm going to try to have this conversation conversation with him because I don't know that anybody has ever asked him. No, he he 
kind of talked about it. Yeah, there is. I, I forget. There's a it, maybe it was one of those thirty for thirty or the little sixty second ones or whatever. Even uh, sixty e what a e sixty whatever. I need, yeah, I need to hear. Those. I need to hear it with my own ears. I need to. I need oh, yeah. to ask the question. It was something to the extent of, like, dang, they did me wrong. And then even KD used that as kind of leverage, like. They don't care about us. And when he uh-huh. left, like this team wasn't worried about the players. Like right. they did James Rowan. They couldn't even, you know, like say nothing to this guy or just the way they did it. I haven't seen or heard that. And what I've been told is different than that. So I will leave it at that. By the way, a little little bit of news. Clay Thompson is perfectly fine with the Warriors if they offer him the max. And... The issue, here's the thing. If they offer him the max, I don't know that they can even afford KD. If they're giving Clay the max. See, this is what I think is behind this. No one has been more affected than Clay by KD. No one. And I get the sense that Clay wants things back to the way they were before KD was there. And I've even been told, like, they're ready. They're good with KD moving on. And I'll be really interested to see how the Warriors play these next two games. Because I think you mentioned it. Watching the end of Game 5, how they kind of came back to being who they were. Certainly Steph did. Even though it obviously it hurts them. And they want to win first and foremost. I don't know how shattered they are that they get to go back to playing the way they played before KD was there. Dude, the ball was popping. It was moving. Like five guys scored in the last two minutes of a basketball game. It was sudden crazy. Like, yo, yeah. it was sudden nuts. Like, and then, you know, you throw the ball to Clay, he just kind of figures something out. <laughs> yeah, Rick. <laughs> like, it was it was immediate, immediate ball. Move. And they, they picked Houston. To, bro, it was like a close game. Yeah. They picked Houston apart. You watch the last three minutes of the game. They they absolutely got on fire and the ball was moved like it's not the same with KD. KD's so good. If I see him running the lane, it's not equal opportunity. It's like giving the ball up yes. to score. Yes, no, and, and this is no fault. I, I don't blame KD, but KD is is a luxury that you can't resist, and yet it it it's easy to fall in love with that, which takes the Warriors out of what makes them so special. It's just. Which may KD may actually understand that, and it may be why he's looking to move on. Speaking of the whole free agency picture, we, we should have touched upon this when we were on the Celtics. So if you're a GM, how badly do you want Kyrie Irving? Really bad. Gives me a chance at winning a championship. But, I mean, obviously I don't want to bring him on to a young team because I'm not, I'm not ready to make those type of moves yet. So but Brooklyn's he gives me not, a chance Brooklyn at the championship. shouldn't take him. No, Brooklyn is Brooklyn is putting pieces together. That's the East Coast Clippers, right? From Brooklyn, yeah. Those aren't just young pieces. They're, they 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 oh, you think established they, veterans that would work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it'll work. Uh, pairing him with KD in New York. I think it will work there too. You you know those are two guys that immediately put you in play in different type of play. Putting him with LeBron again in LA with the Lakers. I like that move too. I, I don't think any of those moves are wrong, honestly, for Kyrie. I, I don't. Keeping him in Boston. No, nah, that's done. 
in Boston. He's done, bro. He's so he's so out of it. He's it's done. There's yeah. just so much like and you like Rick. You know this. How much happens before it boils out into oh, yeah. the media? Yeah. No, it's very true. It's very. I, true. It, it might have been to the point where they couldn't even practice. Like Rozier probably try to fight Kyrie every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Al Horford, if you're he's he quietly is also he has the opportunity to opt out. I think he'd be giving up about thirty mil. Would you do it if you're Al? Are you staying with that? Are you rolling with that team? Oh, Al Horford's staying. Al Horford's a great fit. Dude. Like he's staying. Like he, Al Horford is good. I would be surprised if he went somewhere else. Al Horford is good where he's at, and because of his age, I don't think he's gonna. You know, someone's gonna throw a max at him. Yeah, but. I, I think he's good. What I'm just curious, what, what would his what would his value be if he was out if he decided to opt out? Who do you see making a play for him? And he's not at that point where the, he'd be taking a discount. Be, behind these A stars, he's he's the B, he's the next up. Yeah. He's he's the next up, but there's not a huge value on power forwards, you know, right now. So if I'm him, I I, I stay. You know, they're not breaking the bank for for big men right now. Yeah. You know, but he's a he's a good piece, and the problem is he could end up on a Atlanta or you well, know back in Atlanta or somewhere like see, it, I it, see it, not quite. I see him in Brooklyn. He would be a nice fit in Brooklyn. He would be a Brooklyn guy. I could. I That's could a see nice. That. And he's more he's more their DNA. He's more Sean Marks's Kenny Atkinson's DNA than Kyrie is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't True. see. I just don't see Sean Marks coming from the San Antonio tree and the way Kenny Atkinson coached that he would bring Kyrie into that mix. You may think that they're a veteran team, but I think they have young stars. I think that would screw D'Angelo Russell up in a big way. And I think that that they, they got to decide what they're going to do with him, but their vibe was so good. I'm not bringing it. I mean, Brooklyn in a way was Boston last year overachieving they didn't go as far but kind of the same vibe yeah they're a fun team you feel like they're a piece away you know they get something they have it they have a chance hmm. all right did we forget anything have we skipped anything have we forgotten anything so what do you have you have what game six you have who winning warriors rockets mm. <laughs> really I didn't know this was going to be that hard for you. No, nah, because this is even when the Rockets won, they're not blowouts. You know, Golden State has had a shot. Well, none of these have been, to be honest. For games one I, and two, it, it, the, the the thing is, Houston just has to win so many hustle points to have a shot. Yeah. But you know, the DNA. Uh, I'm going to say the Rockets win, and the the deal goes seven. Yeah. Because when Houston wins those fifty fifty battles, they they they're they're pretty good. And who would have the best chance of making it a series against the Warriors between Portland and Denver? Who should we be rooting for? Oh, gosh. Is he, are you really asking? Yes, this I is, am. This is nasty. Did you really ask that question? Yeah. yeah. You should be, should be pulling for Portland, but I mean, Rick. Because you think Denver has way. no shot. You think Denver has no shot against the Warriors? Both teams have no shot against the Warriors. <laughs> Both teams. I mean, Dame would be fun, though, because, you know, he could go. You know, no, I don't think they're going to let him go off the playoffs like that. He's going to he's gonna see the best of the best, bro. You mark that. He's going to have Iggy picking him up full court. He's going to have a lot of that. Okay, so Iggy is on Dame. 
Who's on CJ McCollum? Might be Draymond. I mean, who who knows? Might probably Clay. Clay. But I mean, they have more than enough, man. That is the that is so much. That is their Achilles heel. That's why Rodney Hood has been so good, or or they've been so good when Rodney Hood's been good. That's what that's the that's the thing that they've been missing the entire time. You need a three or a four that forces you to put one of your best defenders on your three or your four, and they just don't have that. That is true. That is true. No, you're 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 right about that. But man, I mean, neither team has a chance, bro. None. Yeah. Yeah, they just need to get through this, and then that gets them to the finals, and then it gets interesting. All right, but that's way ahead of us. We've covered everything that we need to cover to this point. So that does it for this episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Uh, please rate the show wherever you get your podcast, iTunes or wherever. Just click on the number of stars you want to give us. Love to hear from you, so please leave a comment as well. And then if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker Friends, and you will be eligible to win some prizes. And I believe we're just a few more ratings away from giving out our next bag of swag. So get in and get on that. Uh, in the next podcast on Monday, Will Blackman and I will be going over everything that happens in these Game 7s and what we have to look forward to and in whatever the latest news is on Kevin Durant. By the way, just as an aside before we go, had a friend of mine tell me that he's expecting Durant, a, a, a surgeon, uh, from the MRI reports that he's heard, he's expecting him out three to six weeks. Yeah, you can do that with a calf. I, I'd be really surprised. And there, there might be a little small tear in there. You hope it's not a tear. Yeah. You hope it's just a strain, but it tells me it's not mild then. Yeah. Three no, to six he's, weeks he's saying it's, he thinks it's second mild. degree. Second degree, not for, first degree would be two to three weeks. If someone goes in and loosens that thing up the right way, he I can know. go and play. I know. I hear you. He dry needle. Dry needle. Get the dry needle. You already know. That's what I said. Yeah. Get dry the dry needle. needle. Yep. All right. All of you, take the weekend off. Stay away from the dry needles. And we'll talk to you Monday. As always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.